Welcome to Readers and Writers, a podcast for those who love to read and for those who like to write. And uh, I'm Colin Smith with Unlocking the Bible. We are here at the Unlocking the Bible stand at the Gospel Coalition Conference. Plenty of activity around us. But with me here is Jen Wilkin. Jen, so glad that you have come and given us a few moments to talk here. We're going to speak about Jen's book, None Like Him, 10 Ways God is different from us and why that's really a good thing. <laughs> I love the title and I love the book and uh, so glad to have a chance to talk with you about it. I mean, you took on what I think is probably one of the most unlikely yeah. subjects. I mean, when, when I was uh, learning theology, this was called the incommunicable yes. attributes of God. I don't think you use that phrase once you just say how God d is different from us and right. I love it. What right. drew you to this wonderful subject? Well, I'm a Bible teacher, and I'm always asking the women in my studies to read the text, looking first for what it has to tell us about who God is. And over the years, I've noticed that women uh, have a difficulty with this. Most of us have an underdeveloped vocabulary around what's true about God. And so uh, kind of as a dovetail to my teaching approach, I wanted to give women a tool that was accessible, that was covering the incommunicable attributes. But as you've noted, I, I didn't say that because I try to write all of my things to approach a broad audience. And um, so it was an opportunity to expose people to uh, ideas that were in books that had influenced me that I wasn't certain that a modern reader would necessarily come across or pick up. And you do that so well. So, I mean, you give two lists here. Yes. Uh, you give a list of ways, uh, of uh, descriptions of who God is, and there are things that we can, in some degree, become like Him right. in. And there are things like holy and loving and just and good and merciful. They're all things that we, we're to grow in the likeness of Christ, the likeness of God. But then other things that are only ever true of God and will never be true of right. us, that's like infinite and incomprehensible and self-existent. And, and you say that people get mixed up between these two lists. So uh, talk to us about that. Absolutely. So the list, the, the communicable attributes, the ones that we can take on, that's, that's what sanctification looks like, right? right. That's what yeah. happens is we become a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us. But that other list, the incommunicable attributes, when we try to take those on, we call that idolatry, when yeah. we set ourselves in the place of God. And really, if you think about it, most of our mental health issues, most of the things that cause us to just completely break down are that we have, we have tried to take on something that is only possible if you're a limitless being, and we're by creation designed to be limited beings. And so we set ourselves up not just for an idolatrous practice, but also for a, a personally destructive practice when we when we try to become omniscient or omnipotent in our little spheres of influence. Now, you said earlier that uh, your writing comes out of your uh, teaching. Uh, tell us a little about how that actually happens. I mean, how did that happen with this book, for example? Well, I did actually years ago teach a study on the attributes of right. God, and I loved it so much. And then my current approach that I stick to with regularity is to just teach line by line through books of the Bible. Right. So I knew that there probably was not going to be a good fit for me to teach an attribute study again as part of my ministry, at least in the near term. Right. So I thought, well, gosh, I'll just 
write a book on it. And then I can just, when they have questions, I'll hand them the book and it'll be one-stop place hey, to find it. Hey, here it is. And you really right. have pulled it together in a, in a marvelous way. It's Thank good. you. When, when, when you write, I mean, do you write in long sessions? Do you go in short bursts? Do you find inspiration comes to you when you're not trying? Or uh, what's that like for you? Right. I'm one of those people who, when I'm in the car, you know, when, when my brain gets a break from whatever it is that's been going on, <laughs> the thoughts start to flow and yeah. I'm trying to pull over and scribble things down really yeah. quickly. And Before so, you lose it. Yes. And I, so I do try to build regular rhythms, you know, just space into my, into my calendar to where the thoughts can sort of congeal and gather. And like currently I haven't had that in about a month and a half. And so I feel like there are all these words that are trapped inside of me. And then the longer that I go between having those, those blocks of time, the longer it takes to get it back, you know, like you have to start flexing that muscle again. And so I'll have the morning where I've set aside four hours to write and I get maybe a paragraph. But wow. hopefully the next time I sit down, I'll get a little bit you more. Get the yeah, yeah. And, and this thing about when you break away from it, sometimes, you know, I, I find when I'm working on a sermon, yeah. And I've been intensely at it, and I think, I'll walk around the block, and somehow right. the, the mind frees, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, you find that too. Uh, let's talk specifically about some of the, uh, uh, the chapters that you have here. You begin with the fear of the Lord. Yes. And uh, I think that's one of the least understood phrases in the Bible. It's a wonderful phrase. Yes. Uh, tell us what you understand by the fear of the Lord and why it's so important. The fear of the Lord is the right reverence and awe of Him that every believer should feel. So obviously, as those who are secure in Christ, we don't cower before thundering Mount Sinai. Right. We, we come in joyful assembly before Mount Zion. But you know, the end of that paragraph in, in the book of Hebrews ends with our God is a consuming fire. So we never lose sight of the awesomeness and the transcendence of God. However, I believe that many Christians do. Um, we have become comfortable with an idea of, of our Father who is nearby, but we've lost a sense of the fact that He's also in heaven, that He yeah. transcends. And anytime you, f you lose the balance on that, you end up fashioning God after your own image. I was talking to Jonathan Catherwood here yesterday. That's the grandson of Lloyd Jones, and he said to me, "No pressure to be like, that, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He said the whole basis of Lloyd Jones' ministry was that he saw an infinite distance between God and yes, us, yeah. and therefore an infinite value in what Jesus Christ had done to bridge it. I thought, that, that, it, and, and you get at this. You get the sense that there is an infinite distance between right. uh, God in in all of His attributes and uh, and us, and therefore you need Jesus Christ in all of His fullness to bridge. I really appreciate that. Thank about you. The Thank now you. you speak about God being eternal. Yes. And, uh, and you give a personal uh, illustration from your own life. I think when you were 27, yes. uh, you had a diagnosis. I did. And, uh, talk to us about that and the impact of your own sense of time. When I was 27, I had just given birth to my first child and went into the doctor for some preventive health care because I hadn't done that. Previously, I'd been working and busy and got into the doctor and um, received a diagnosis. Actually, while I was waiting for the test results, I found out that I was pregnant with my, my daughter, Mary wow. Kate and uh, received a call saying that I had malignant melanoma, which is the, the kind of skin cancer that kills you if you don't catch it. And uh, so thankfully they were able to get it, but then I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I must be fine now. Went down to MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is you know, the major place for treatment if you have cancer treatment, thinking they're gonna send me home. They'll say, this is no big deal. And they didn't. They said, we wanna see you every three months. You have a, you have a condition where pretty much every mole on your body is dysplastic to some extent. So since then, so it's been over 20 years now since my diagnosis, 
I have gotten regular reminders at three or six month intervals that life is fleeting and every day is precious. Wow. And a lot of people I think don't have that vantage point until they begin the aging process. And then, you know, life is faithful to teach all of us about fragility, but some of us don't find that until later in life. And so looking on it now, obviously it was terrifying at the time and uh, looking on it now, I see the gift of perspective that I was given at that age. Uh, and I, to be honest, you can grow forgetful as time passes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get but, further from a diagnosis and you're like, oh, well maybe I'll just fritter my time. But luckily with, with this kind of a thing, I get to go in constantly and be told, hey, you don't know. You don't know how long you have. That, that's really powerful. I love the way that in each of these uh, chapters, you focus on uh, one of the attributes of God and then what it means for us because we're not like right, him. Right. So uh, he is eternal. We're not, right. therefore we have to learn to number our days. And, and there's it, great comfort in that. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. I used to tell myself, I, in this doctor's appointment, there's nothing this doctor can tell me that will limit the number of my days. Yeah, yeah. He, he's only telling me something that the Lord has always I and love always that. known. Now, another chapter that I, I particularly loved was on God being omnipresent. So mm -hmm. God is always present all of the time, everywhere. We are not. Right. But you talk about how with the technology that we have nowadays, we kind of try we to be it. as, as sure. if we were omnipresent. Talk sure. about that. Sure. I mean, it's personally convicting for me. Yeah. And especially, I have children down at college now and you can get to the place where you're like FaceTime is the same thing as being there right. and it's not. There's no substitute for face-to-face -face commi commitments yeah. to one another and communication but we do. We find all of these ways to simulate being in more than one place at one time and we even think, oh, I just wish I could be in two places at once but what a nightmare. We're not even good at being in the one place that our bodies confine us to. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and especially, you know, as a as a parent with children now spread out in various places, you feel like a piece of you is everywhere. And, yep. and it's a challenge to make sure that you are living fully present in the place that the Lord has yeah. given you. Let me read a, a sample of your writing on this. I, I, I love this. Um, there is no such thing as human omnipresence. Our newfound ways to mimic it are not the same as being there. They are not a replacement for face-to-face -face being present. They, are, uh, they aren't idolatrous in and of themselves, but they can become so mm -hmm. when we start believing them to be equivalent to being actually there. Mm -hmm. They are good gifts until we ask them to make us like God. <laughs> wow, I, I, that, that's powerful. Because really you're saying there's a kind of idolatry here. If, we, yeah. if we're trying to say we'd be everywhere and, and uh, doing all these multiple things, we're, we're actually trying in some sense to usurp the thing that belongs to God alone. There, you know, there are limits that we operate under that are a result of the fall, and then there are limits that we operate under that were given to us for our great good. Yeah. And so as, as people, we're always looking for which limits we can push back on. And in some cases, you want people to push back yeah. the limits on like modern medicine and things like that. But when yeah. it comes to God's good and right limits he's placed on us as, as his creatures, we, we do well to pay attention to them. Yeah, I love that. Here's another sentence I really loved on this subject, because God is always present all of the time and always fully present. <laughs> I really like that. He does not need to greet you in the morning with how did you sleep or in the evening with how was your day. He has been with you for all of it. 
he never needs to catch up on your latest news or to be shown your latest accomplishment. I love that. <laughs> God's infinite knowledge of us because of his uh, omnipresence every moment of every day. Now then you go on to speak about God's sovereignty and you say you kept that for the last. Right. Uh, why did you keep that for last and why does that kind of crown the book? I think when you look at sovereignty outside of the context of the rest of God's character, it can feel like a bludgeon instead right. of like a gift. Right. And until you have witnessed just the complete transcendence of God in these other areas, you're almost not prepared to contemplate his sovereignty as you should. Right. And his sovereignty is um, something to be celebrated and to rest in. But until we've acknowledged, again, the distance right. between us and God, which is infinite, I just don't know that our hearts are always ready to, to receive yeah. it. And then you talk about the myth of our own sovereignty. Right. Uh, you know, as if we're sovereign of our own bodies or over our own relationships and so forth. What's the myth of our own sovereignty? Well, that we believe we have the right to do whatever we would like, and um, not only the right, but that you know we, we should be, that, that, that that's what we're called to do, and yeah. no sense of that we're here to steward something, but rather right. that we are the creator and the accomplisher of our own destiny and the navigator of our own path. I think there's a pretty famous poem about there, uh, out there somewhere. I, I love this book. I, Thank I, you. I, uh, it, it is countercultural. It goes in a different direction from what you usually see. Um, everything's about, you know, uh, how God can be like us and, uh, and yeah. so forth, and, and we can be like him, and there's things that are important to be said about that. Maybe you'll write another book on that I, one I'm day. I'm actually writing it right uh, now. I yes, suspected I you am. might. By small but I love the fact that you started with this. Thank you. How God is different from us, and, and how it actually brings peace to discover that. You know, my hope is always that I can just bring old truths into current light. I never want to say something novel. Yeah. And so it's been a thrill to hear people respond to truths that I've treasured for a long time and yeah. say, these are good and timeless. Well, I think it's a great read. Jen Wilkin, None Like Him. 10 Ways God is Different from Us and Why That's a Good Thing. And thanks for giving us an insight into the message of the book. Uh, for more, unlockingthebible.org.